As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. I'm in my basement in Blighty again, but we're joined by Andy Mitten and Karl Anker over in Cyprus, speaking straight after Manchester United made very hard work of seeing off Amonia Nicosia. Uh, we've got lots to get through on the podcast, all the reaction to the win, and also, of course, previewing the game against Everton on Thursday. But first of all, Carl and Andy, I need to take you back to 11.04 English time when I opened my mobile phone to a WhatsApp notification, which actually ended up being a steamy image of at least a half-naked Andy Mitten alongside at least a half-naked Carl Anker. Care to explain, gentlemen? Well, uh, you know, when in Cyprus... <laughs> Tell him the full story, how you ended up yes. where you ended up. Yes, yes. Uh, so this morning, uh, woke up... In Larnaca, uh, sent Andy a text message asking him, you know, sleep well, what's going on? And he, he said he was, he was going on a little bit of an adventure. Uh, and I said, do you mind if I tag along? Got on a, got on a coach ride, managed to meet him in Nicosia. We went for a walk around town uh, and we found a very old Turkish bath, uh, about 155 years of age, uh, run by a very nice, genteel 85-year-old gentleman who used to be, at one point in time, one of his jobs was he was a translator for the British Army. Uh, and we sat in a steam room and talked a lot about Manchester United Football Club, while a very uh, stout and funny man who reminisced about George Best uh, gave us a deep body scrub, shall we say. <laughs> Andy, you do show him the nicest of places, don't you? There were only two people in there. The 85-year-old owner, who Carl was talking about, and another gentleman who had our clothes off in no time and battered our bodies into submission. And then just the only English words he knew were, as Carl says, uh, George Best. <laughs> so it was interesting. So we, we walked around um, Nicosia, um, loads of United fans enjoying themselves in the sun. It was a, a really uh, nice atmosphere and it was a nice build-up to, to the game. Uh, I think that United fans have been in Ayanapa, especially the younger ones who like a bit of uh, disco. Bit unst unst. Uh, Larnaca, 
where Carl and I woke up this morning, uh, which is the main airport for this island, and Pathos, which is where I'm heading to in the morning, and I'm going to be met at the airport by Henning Berg, who is the manager of Pathos, and I get on well with him, I really like him, and I think he's a good manager, and if Pathos wasn't two hours away, I would have gone <laughs> to see him in Pathos, so I said, look, I'm on a tight schedule here, I'd love to see you, I'm not going to be able to go for lunch with you, and I'm getting a bus to the airport, the public transport's not good in Cyprus at all, and he said, oh, I'll drive to the airport and meet you. So, isn't that nice of him? It's really nice. And are you planning on being fully clothed when you meet Henning? Um, yeah, I am planning on being um, fully clothed. These, look, look there's, the, the, these things are called hammams, right? And it's a big tradition in this part of the world. And uh, I, I've been in Greece, I've been in Turkey, and I'm sure there's poncy parts of West London where they charge you 200 quid to do the same thing. It's basically just a sauna. But in, in Scandinavia, they have they have wooden saunas. It's a social thing as well. Okay. I mean, me and Carl were having a good chat, so we were social. But there wasn't anyone. Like you're having a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Right at the end, Andy gave me a yellow mandarin, and he tried talking to me, and I was so distracted by how good the mandarin tasted. I just thought, hang on, what you? And he's like, yeah, it's good. It's good fruit, isn't it? So uh, yeah, maybe we should bring fruit to the next time we're all recording at Old Trafford, rather than uh, what ridiculous candy sweets we're doing. You, you don't get stuff like this on boring trips to Madrid no. and Munich in the Champions League. Europa League football is where it's at, right? Look look where we've been so far this season. Look at the geopolitics of the whole thing, which Athletic subscribers will know because we've been writing about this. Transnistria, Moldova, um, Cyprus with the only divided capital in the world. Really, really interesting places. And football is a big deal here. The standards are surprisingly high here. And people like Neil Lennon, who've managed at big clubs, um, come here because it's a place where football's taken very seriously. I'm not saying it's anything like the Premier League in terms of the standards, but a lot of top players have been um, attracted here. Maybe not you know, superstar names. And they enjoy it. The fans are really passionate. There's a very good atmosphere for, for the game tonight. The weather's fantastic really really good here and um yeah i think it's been a, a decent trip okay let's get stuck into the football then um i said at the top carl that united made hard work of it a bit of an understatement that wasn't it heading into half time uh it was pretty embarrassing the scoreline at least wasn't it i know they played pretty well in the opening periods but to be one nil down to a team who are currently fourth in the cypriot league was uh Nothing short of an embarrassment, really, was it? Oh, yeah, it was absurd, absurd scoreline. So Manchester United dominating for the first 20 minutes. Um, I was sat next to some very nice uh, Manchester United fans uh, uh, who basically just went, this team aren't very good. I don't understand why Anthony keeps cutting back on himself instead of just trying to skin his pullback every single time. Uh, the goal that United conceded, just a bit of a disaster. Sancho you know, not trusting himself to beat his man, cutting back, Malassia miscuing it after he sees he's being pressed. And then a three-man counter-attack. Malassia kind of doing well to get back and push the man wide, but the, a shot, a goal. Uh, the place erupts. Uh, Ammonia fans uh, were celebrating their first ever corner as if it was a goal. So when they did score their first ever goal, it was the loudest noise I've heard in UEFA-sanctioned football, shall we say. Uh, I think I've heard slightly loud with Vuvuzelas. But it, it, he, he did get that feeling of... 
oh, is this Istanbul in 2020? Is this this the sort of calamitous mistake where everyone forgets their processes? The goal was very similar, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That sort of far too many men forward. Um, you know, the 10 minutes afterwards, again, some of the mistakes of Istanbul away from home where Manchester United just forget their processes, try and rush everything. There was a moment where Christian Eriksen tried shooting from outside the box in a 40-second minute. You're going, no, 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 no. I've just finished the press conference with Eric Ten Hag and he's been quite to the point about what he thought Manchester United were lacking. He said they were quite poor with their movement with the ball. He said they were poor on, on the left-hand side in particular and he said they were poor with their passes in behind the defence and that's why he had to make the changes he made at halftime. Yeah, let's hear from Eric Ten Hag then. This is him speaking to BT Sport and explaining exactly what he wanted from his team in that second half. Yeah, some couple of things, uh, especially uh, more runs. We were too static. And we have to make the opposite movement to, to get behind. And that's why also we make two subs in that time and they had really an impact. And that is really good. That makes the team stronger. Marcus, definitely. But also Anthony Martial, of course, with his 2-1. Uh, we have already seen that in pre-season. It was a really big disappointment for this team, for me, uh, when he got injured in the last 10 minutes against Atletico Madrid. Uh, so we missed him in the f- first couple of weeks and that also had an effect on our team performance. Uh, it has to be only warm-up at uh, Sunday. Uh, we have to react. Uh, we have to give the best performance we have and we have to prepare that now. Andy, we spoke about it after the derby actually, but I was surprised personally that Tyrell Molassia was in the side uh, once again from the start considering he was taken off at, at half-time at the Etihad Stadium. And then to make that mistake, I think Jaden Sancho contributed it to it by playing him the ball back in that position. But to be caught that way for the goal and then to be taken off at half-time again, he's going for a little bit of a tough patch, isn't he? He's had a bad week and that followed a pretty impressive start to his Manchester United career. I don't think many expected him to become first choice so quickly, but he did do and it's to his credit that he did do. But that game against City was, was a real tough one for him. said on the last podcast, reminding me a bit about Evra when he first joined playing against City. And then tonight, against a team who were nowhere near Manchester City's level, I mean, he, he wasn't the only one at fault for that goal. And it did remind me a bit of that goal in Istanbul, which you were talking about. That game in Istanbul was played in front of 200 people. To come here tonight in front of a full stadium shows you how alive it felt tonight. The home fans, their team got beat. They applauded the team off. Just been mm. speaking to some of them. They said, we lost tonight, but 2-3 against Manchester United. It's partly because the name Manchester United carries much more weight than the reality of a team who are nowhere near as good as they used to be. But I, I think that Luke Shaw did well for England. Uh, I think he was an improvement on Malassi when he came on at half-time. And it'll be very interesting to see who starts in that position against Everton on Sunday. Yeah, it'll be really backing Malassia, wouldn't it, if he started him again, considering he'd gone off twice at half-time. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. The thing with the changes, Carl, that were made for this game, I mean, Casemiro's another talking point, Cristiano Ronaldo, another one as well. It's not like the players being brought in are like really giving Gerrit Ten Hag a massive issue. Some of them are, maybe, but the ones who are starting aren't. Anthony Martial is, for example. Um, but I don't know. It just it doesn't feel like the decisions are getting more difficult. It doesn't feel like there's more players who can be left out on Sunday that it, that it feels tough to leave out almost, if you know what I mean. I think everything comes with a little bit of an asterisk. So I think in the, in the debate between Luke Shaw and Toa Malassi, I think Malassi is energy and tenacity in defending probably is the reason why Ten Hag likes him. I think if, if Malassia is going to you know, make 10 challenges and he's going to win seven of them and in those three he loses, he's going to come straight back up and go at you again. And when he made that mistake, the fact he made that retreating run, pushed the person wide and nearly got the tackle. If you want to be really, really pleasing, that's the sort of thing Malassia is good at. I think in a game where Manchester United are going to dominate the ball and dominate possession, you want to play Luke Shaw. I think Luke Shaw's far better on the ball far better progressing the ball between from that penalty area to the opposition's penalty area I think I can understand Malassia is better at central centralised football if that makes sense so he inverts a lot more and, and comes into that half space which Ten Hag wants but I think that doesn't really help Jaden Sancho at the moment and I think Luke Shaw constantly overlapping uh, is what Jaden Sancho and or indeed any other player who plays on the left hand side really needs right now so if Manchester United want to go to Everton and they want to play with 60% possession at this point in time, I'd say you probably want to start Luke Shaw. Yeah, I'm going to undo the point that I just made a moment ago, actually, Andy. Um, there is a bit of a debate in the front three, actually, to be fair. Jaden Sancho, of course, the other player taken off at half-time today. Uh, Anthony has scored a couple of goals, but but like you've already mentioned, it's sort of flattering to deceive at times. Uh, but Martial made a great impact off the bench. Marcus Rashford looks so sharp. Cristiano Ronaldo, I think, could have had another 100 chances and still wouldn't have found his 700th career club goal tonight. But those three, actually, Paul Scholes and Owen Hargreaves on BT after the match, were backing those three to start at Goodison Park. Ronaldo, Martial and Rashford. What do you think? I think uh, Marcus Rashford was man of the match here tonight. Just seeing him outside. I was talking to one of the Ammonia players, Brandon Barker, who is from that... Cyprius town of Moston <laughs> I had a good chat with him he's a nice lad and he knows uh, Marcus um, they're all sort of similar age groups so it's good good for them to all, all see each other um, uh, I thought Marcus was excellent I thought he was really sharp I thought he was selfless I thought his finishing was good I thought his interplay was really good um, so he was my man of the match and then just behind him um, Anthony Martial I thought he could as well moved into position switched centrally went right again unselfish followed up with the second balls a couple of times and this wasn't the Martial um, who 
had some traits which were criticised, not looking like he was bothered at times. I thought he looked like he was really bothered. Yeah, so so them them two. Um, Sancho, don't think he had a good game. Um, don't think he had a good game at all. I think he needs to be to be doing more. It, it seems to be stop-start throughout his career at Manchester United. He's had some great moments, even this season. He's scoring goals, but he's got to be playing better more often than, than he is doing. And I wasn't surprised when he went off. I had a conversation with Ten Hag during a press conference about Cristiano Ronaldo and I said, what do you make of his performance? A lot of shots, not many on target. Ten Hag gave a rebuttal of, no, those shots were on target. If you looked at him and, you know, it's a difficult game. I will reiterate what I've said in previous podcasts in that I am concerned that he can't get that gap of separation between the centre-backs and the way he used to. He can't get the shots off the way he used to. There's been two or three times now where Ronaldo's first touch the one he used to do to settle himself and get to make that twist and turning action to it. I'm jerking my head a lot as I'm saying this. <laughs> I wondered what was going on, yeah. <laughs> to, to, to uh, you know, when he pivots... But Andy was going to get headbutted then. <laughs> when he pivots to try and get a shot off, they, they're not coming off. There was a moment, I want to say, around about the 79th minute, where he tried to make the turn, couldn't, and just laid on the turf looking at this, the heavens. Uh, and then in the 90th minute, when he finally did get the turn, the shot went wide and he, he shouted at the heavens. The assist, I'm going to put in air quotes for Marcus Rashford in that it very much looked like it was a shot. It was a shot. I'm not sure if anyone's seen outside of the TV angle, but he is statuesque after it is converted and only sort of warms up when uh, Rashford walks over and tries to give him a hug. But, you know, they normally say you get concerned about a striker when they're not shooting at all and they stop making those runs. And Ronaldo, you don't score 699 career goals or how many career goals by not doing the things Ronaldo did and you know, first 20 minutes did occupy the centre-backs he is doing most of the good things I'm hoping that you know the, the proverbial of he scores one off his backside and then goes on a great scoring run but I mean if Martial is able to play 90 minutes I would recommend he plays 90 minutes against Evan yeah and the stats look good for the attack as well 28 shots for United tonight the next highest was actually 11 against Brighton in the opening game of the season so they more than doubled the most shots in a 90 minute period for this year Martial when he scored at that point had scored or assisted every 19 minutes this season that was actually his 100th career uh, club goal as well for Rashford he's equaled his tally for the entirety of last season he scored 5 in 8 he, he, he looks razor sharp, Andy Rashford, doesn't he? He is literally an automatic choice now, isn't he? There's no debate about that. And he's done well to get back into that position. I tweeted during uh, the second half, this is taking me back to the second half of the 1920 season. Martial, Rashford, Bruno, and getting the goals, getting the assists, doing well. And so tonight was definitely uh, about them. But that said... Uh, Ammonia are probably the weakest team who Manchester United are likely to play this season. Um, they were beaten at home by Sheriff in this competition. United went into this game knowing that they would play five at the back, knowing that they would play a low block, knowing that it was all about trying to break them down and dominated possession in the first half. 81%, I think, at one point. 20, yeah, possession. Like 25 minutes, 81% yeah, possession, yeah. more than twice the passes. And, and you can see the game plan, yeah. you know, wide players stretch wide, fullbacks invert, really attack those half spaces. But it, <sighs> Anthony's in a really interesting position where he's clearly been told he can't beat the fullback every time in Premier League games. 
but also you you, you want to get in his ear and tell him every single Europa League group game try and beat your go man. for it mate yeah yeah Carl I know you've got to go in a minute but do you think Bruno Fernandes should be dropped I, I was looking at some of your Twitter activity during the game hmm uh, I I can feel the Fred and Casemiro with Christian Eriksen as the number ten should work in theory if you have Rashford and Martial up top. Okay. If that makes sense. You're about to drop the second Manchester United captain of the season then. There's something something going on with that armband, isn't there? So later later in the second half, Andy and I did have a little who's the captain and we kept looking left and right and eventually spotted the dark blue around David De Gea's light blue uh, armband. And I think we spoke about this during pre-season. Yeah, we did. Maybe you just give the captaincy to David De Gea, make the captaincy a non-issue and run with it I think Bruno Fernandes the way Bruno is able to not have a great game but still play a great ball over the top like he did for Rashford's goal will just about keep him in and he was the only Manchester United shirt you saw on sale today in Nicosia it was a goalkeeper shirt with David De Gea on it so yeah he's, he's obviously a big deal here in, uh, in Nicosia where Manchester United are very well supported where the Premier League is very popular it was needed tonight that, that win another three goals away from home completely different circumstances to how we saw on Sunday and I've just spoke to Diogo Dalot after the game pretty good game really good second half at a point where he either should have scored or should have got an assist for his run for Cristiano Ronaldo before he hit the post he's not a talking point is he that's the biggest compliment you can give him at the moment to be fair yes Yes. Yeah, he, he's established himself as the right back. Do I think he's the best right back ever? No, I don't. Do I have doubts against really good opponents? Yes, I do. But I think he's in a decent position. Um, he's got himself established in Manchester United's first team. I think United could probably do another right back. And we might be getting kicked out of the broom cupboard any time now. We're in a broom cupboard here, by the way. <laughs> it's like it's like a little hut, which yeah, it looks like... Um, you know, if we were selling pies at the back of a function room, imagine like a non-league clubhouse. Yeah, we are basically in a tuck shop. We're, we're, in a tuck shop in, yeah, a tuck shop, broom cupboard. The Burnley press room, yeah. the place that they used to serve the pie and mash from at the back, you're in that sort of setup, yeah? Yeah. Just, and you're about to get thrown out by the sound of it yeah, as well. Yeah, I have, I have we'll, got to run and get my minibus now. We can't get thrown out of a broom cupboard. <laughs> I'm going to leave you, Andy, and these boys care, but I'll, I'm going to get this minibus and see you in a bit. Thank you, Carl. You go, go and get your bus, mate. Nice to speak to you. Thanks for coming on. Okay, well, if you've got the stomach for it, there's still plenty of post-derby reaction up on The Athletic at the minute. Articles from all of our regulars, plus Tim Spears and Michael Cox's take on that match at the Etihad. If you're interested in reading anything but that, <laughs> there is a report from Andy, who obviously watched the match over in Chicago, which takes it away from the match narrative a little bit, and also an oral history of Wayne Rooney's greatest ever MLS assist. If you want to read those, remember you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod. So, Carl's had to get off then to go and catch his minibus back to his hotel. But ever resourceful Andy Mitten is staying with us on the podcast. And Andy, you've found a different way to get yourself back, haven't you? Well, I know two Ammonia fans, Adam and Panos, who uh, they come to Manchester next week for the game. Um, they gave me a lift out here. This stadium's really hard to reach if you've not got a car. And I've not got a car okay. in Cyprus. And they were telling me all about how passionate their, their fans are. 
uh, telling me about Henningberg and how popular he was here. And they told me to watch out for the atmosphere tonight. So I did do, and I thought it was really quiet. No, I'm joking, lads. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they're going to give me a lift back into my hotel in the centre. Not the best hotel I've ever stayed in, but I'm sure the other six people in the room might uh, <laughs> might agree with, with me on that one. Yeah, just don't show me your pictures from earlier on with Carl. Um, can you ask the lads, Andy, what it was like, considering the profile of Amonia compared to Manchester United to take the lead in that first half. Forget what the final scoreline was. What was it actually like to take the lead against Manchester United? It must have been incredible. Hello, guys. Uh, yeah, it was an incredible feeling, actually. We were all ecstatic in the stands. Uh, coming to the stadium for this game, we hoped, let's say, for a respectful appearance by our team. But scoring first against Manchester United and actually winning the first half was pretty amazing. You're sounding like us in the derby now, winning the second half. So you're saying that you won the first half here. <laughs> what did it feel like when you, you, you went ahead against Manchester United? Because you didn't deserve to go ahead. No, it was unbelievable. It was a good counter-attack, though. Uh, you have to admit it. I do. Uh, I'll admit and, it. There's two uh, of you and a needy left home from you. Yeah, I'll, and, I'll admit anything you want. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think nobody believed that uh, we could even score against United tonight. But, yeah, yeah I mean... We could even draw at the last minute. It's football, then uh, the chances are always uh, there. So why not? This is why we love the game. And uh, 20,000 people tonight, I think, they really believe that maybe we could get that point. How many of you are coming to Manchester next week? I think it's 4,000, 5,000. And you're going to be quiet because you're renowned for being pretty quiet? <laughs> yes, really quiet. I <laughs> don't think so. But, uh, yeah, I think we're going to be loud. Uh, we're going to have a small corner at the Old Trafford. But we hope that our presence will be felt there. Yeah. What have you got planned for your trip to Manchester, then? OK, I've been to... I've studied Manchester for three years, so... Uh, I've, ah, OK. I've left Manchester in 2015, so I'm very curious, never been back again. So you're going to be the tour guide, then, for the rest of the fans? Yes, uh, my buddies are waiting for me to give them a guide of the tour guide of the city and the stadium and uh, i'm curious to see how manchester has changed over these seven years it's past changed years. a lot seriously the skyline has changed a lot yeah, uh, we're in this room where we've got to be quiet and respectful but i heard you sing some brilliant songs tonight um i know we'll probably get arrested but what's the best song that you sing i'm not expecting a full version but you can sort of half Sing it. Which one did you like the most, though? Well, my, what, which one had the most impact to you? I mean, you felt that all this is quite. We, we have a song that we sing every time we score. It's, yes. it's, it's the same song that everyone sings when we score. It's, it's actually a, a, it's a cursing song. But it's in Greek, so <laughs> it's Greek. I think it's uh, fine. Are, are, are the boys allowed to curse in Greek on this podcast? We curse in English, so I don't see why not. <laughs> okay, so it goes like this. I love it. And a rough translation? He's saying that it's all about Marouane Fellaini being the best player ever. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have a rough translation. Yeah, so actually it says we know how much it, it hurts when Omonia scored. And then some cursing words. Cursing against uh, who? Uh, just in general. Uh, just in general. I, I don't want to get fans of other separate clubs on my case because you've been slaughtering them on this. But so is it, are we talking general cursing here? 
It's um, time to say goodbye, I think. Okay, that was um, a nice song from the Ammonia fans. <laughs> Do thank them for us, Andy. <laughs> Cheers, boys. Thank you, guys. Well, that was nice, Andy. Thank you very much for bringing us a little sample of uh, the local feeling. I'm always intrigued what it feels like to have United around because, you know, we, we sort of take the profile of football that we have on our doorstep for granted. There'll be fans, of course, listening to this podcast who are, who are from places like Nicosia, who the idea of having Manchester United playing on their doorstep is a dream. So to get a, to get a sense of that always, I think, is really interesting. Everton fans at the weekend probably won't really feel like that because they've had United around quite a bit. And actually, they're looking a bit better. And it starts a tricky period for United, actually, doesn't it, over these next few weeks in October? We've already had the derby, of course, but there's Newcastle, Tottenham and Chelsea to come as well. It's going to be a really, really interesting period, this, because we had the high, didn't we, of those four wins in a row and then that huge low of the start of the season and the derby as well. And tonight, it didn't really fill you with confidence going to Goodison Park, did it? No, it doesn't. And Everton are in a, in a better, better place. I should add ammonia at Old Trafford to that list of teams you mentioned, given who I'm surrounded with at the moment for being a particularly <laughs> difficult um, game. I think there's a couple of things with Everton. On one hand, United really need, need to win. On the other, Goodison Park has been the scene of some of the most horrific performances from Manchester United in the post-Ferguson era. Really, you know, I remember United conceding four under Solskjaer. David Moyes obviously lost a job off the back of a performance at Everton. And yet sometimes, I remember um, Carabao Cup performance where United were so strong at Everton in lockdown. And one of the Everton players said to a lad I know, this is a team who are really onto something so hard to play against Man United. And I was struck by that at the time. And that has now long gone. I think of the 3,000 fans who travel to Everton, and it's a hard ticket. A lot of people have been asking um, for, for, for tickets. It's going to be one of the last ever visits to Goodison Park. I love that stadium. It's the Wrigley Field of, of English football. I like it as well, Goodison Park. There's a real charm to it, isn't there? And it, I like how it growls. I always use that word with Goodison. I don't use that with anyone else. Um, it's just the way that that stadium feels, especially when it's angry, usually against their own players, actually, in fairness, in recent times. But it can be a very special atmosphere, that. Last season, that Crystal Palace game when they stayed up, you know, watching it on the telly, it sounded incredible. Yeah, you're right close to the pitch. That main stand has still got those wooden seats, which are painted lovingly every year and I, I get why they've got to move the site is too small the new stadium on the banks of the Mersey looks absolutely brilliant I think Everton has been a troubled club they've spent so much money and they've really underperformed I mean last season for them to be in a relegation battle towards the end of last season was a massive underperformance but only last week I saw Andy Burnham who of course is the mayor of Greater Manchester praising Frank Lampard the Everton manager uh, Frank Lampard joined in really difficult circumstances at the start of the year. I think there were several different decision makers all adding their input into who should be the next Everton manager. Um, Lampard got the job and he, 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 I think there were a lot of wobbles and a lot of doubts about him at various times. But he's in a good moment, which is a bit um, worrying for, for, for Manchester United. Yeah, I know what you mean. They do look a lot better than they did in the first sort of few weeks of the season, certainly. One thing just to, to talk about finally, Andy, if I may, half-time substitutions, it's becoming a bit of a thing for Eric Ten Hag, isn't it? Uh, ten half-time changes now in ten matches so far this season, including two tonight. And I, I don't know, it, is it a positive that he's being proactive? Is it a positive that it shows the strength of the squad and that there's options off the bench always? Or is it just the obvious that it's a negative, that, that stuff's not working? 
I think the days of a player being taken off at half-time and feeling like he's been a complete failure have gone. I think it, I think it's it, it, it's a bold move doing what he's doing. But we can also see in our own eyes that the decisions he's made have been have been pretty accurate. And he just one thing I like about this manager, he just gets straight to the point. There's no faffing around with him. He's made some big calls. He'll talk about them as well. And I'm told that the players are having him. They respect him. But it was really interesting after the Manchester derby, the lack of people briefing against the Manchester United manager. That's unheard of in recent years. And I'm not about players. I'm not about people close to players. And that can change. You know, if Manchester United lose the next six matches, players will always look to apportion blame elsewhere. But it's not happening at the moment. And one thing when we spoke to Diogo Delort, we said it. Is, is there more confidence in the team than perhaps fans are seeing? And he's got to say yes. And he obviously he did say yes. It's more whether you believe him, isn't it, when yeah. he says it, I think. Yeah. 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 I mean, from his perspective, I probably do because he personally is in a good position and he wants to believe what he's saying is true. And I think that most fans they didn't expect to win the derby at the weekend, didn't expect to concede six goals either. Um, but this is such a big month for Manchester United, and if United can, can can finish it strongly, as you say, I've got all them games coming up. The Chelsea game, I think it's disgraceful that the the kickoff time still hasn't been arranged for that. I think it really messes around the match going fans who like to make the travel plans, like to not unreasonably book a trip down to London and know when the game's actually going to take place. I know Manchester United and Chelsea. I've been trying their very best to sort that out, and it's not on either club there. So Chelsea away, again, a ground where United have really struggled in recent years. Difficult um, matches, but so many matches that a lot of players are going to get time. And I think by the end of it, we're probably going to be closer to uh, Eric Ten Hag's preferred eleven. I know he's had one for them four wins. I know he's stuck with the winning team. Feels like it's going to change now, though, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it is. I wouldn't be stunned if Luke Shaw got back in. I wouldn't be stunned if Casemiro started playing all the time. And I'm not saying that with absolute conviction for both of them. I thought he did all right tonight here in Cyprus. Um, if Martial's obviously back and he's fit, then he's got a manager who believes in him. So, and we've seen that he's, he's scoring and assisting. So that's good. And Marcus Rashford, we should we should finish this um, podcast on a positive. Manchester United have got an away win. They played here once before, 20 years ago. Conceded three goals. Against Maccabi Haifa. I saw that today. I was there. It was absolutely horrendous. Life wasn't always perfect under Sir Alex Ferguson. And tonight, Manchester United scored three goals against a much weaker team, but in a, a pretty difficult atmosphere. And are coming away with the three points, setting themselves up in a much stronger position in that group. I know there were loads of imperfections all over the place, but we should still end this podcast with a smile. Yeah, and I should say thank you to Itai Glatter as well, who sent us a tweet about that Haifa game um, in Cyprus, obviously. Um, how many years ago was it, Andy? Do you remember? 20, mate. 20 years ago. 2-0. Incredible. 3-0, and it was Yakubu who stood out as well for the home team, and eventually, apparently, Sir Alex Ferguson recommended him to Harry Redknapp for him to sign... For Portsmouth. Um, incredible. Yeah. Well, Andy, I'll let you go. I'll let you go and catch your lift. Thank you so much for joining us as always on Talk of the Devils. Thank you everyone at home for listening as well. Don't forget you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod and we'll speak to you again 
after the match on Sunday at Goodison Park. But for now, take care. We'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Athletic.